Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Pod Zone Country. My name is Caitlin Doherty and I am your Westminster correspondent. This week has been a very busy one for Yorkshire in the news with the announcement of the integrated rail plan on Thursday, giving transport projects across the region and the wider north extensive coverage in national media. However, that has not been the only story making headlines this week. On Tuesday, former Yorkshire cricketer Azim Rafiq gave evidence to the Digital, Culture, Media and Sport Select Committee of MPs about the racism that he had faced during his time at Headingley. Mr Rafiq spoke for an extensive period of time about his experiences and the hearing, which was really quite difficult to listen to at times, comes after a prolonged investigation by Yorkshire County Cricket Club, which found that Mr Rafiq had been subjected to racial harassment during his time at the club. However, their response to the findings, including refusing up till now to release the full report, has been widely criticised and has led to the departure of a number of top figureheads at the organisation. We've been covering this story in detail for some time now, and political editor Chris Byrne and I were listening to all of Tuesday's session. This week's episode is going to be a little bit of a closer look at where we go from here, what could happen going forward, both uh, in sport and cricket more generally, with um, Mr Rafiq saying that he thinks this is a problem that's widespread throughout cricket and sport, and also wider society going forward. As always, I hope you enjoy the episode and thank you so much for listening. I am here with political editor Chris Byrne, who I have been covering this story in depth with uh, for the last few weeks. But as I am sure you will hear in the next few minutes, this is an issue that has been rolling for an awful lot longer than that. A lot of today's national front pages are splashing on this story today as a result of some of the pretty horrible evidence we heard Azim Rafiq give in front of the Digital Culture, Media and Sport Select Committee yesterday. He was speaking for nearly two hours to a committee of MPs detailing um, incidents of racism that he'd faced from as young as 15 years old all the way through his career at Yorkshire. Chris, from your perspective, what did you really take away from that hearing? So obviously, as you said, Azim spoke for um, almost a couple of hours um, and there was so much detail, so much to take in, so much to process for everyone in all sorts of different ways. But when you take a step back from it, what did we hear? We heard that there was a massive alleged problem with racism and bullying at Yorkshire Cricket Club that it spread to the England dressing room um, and that some of the the biggest names in the sport were allegedly involved in it um, for a considerable extended period of time. Um, And kind of the impact of what was said yesterday is going to be long lasting. Um, One thing that the New Yorkshire chairman said literally last week when he gave his press conference, Lord Patel, was that he hoped that the club would be able to win back sponsors soon, hoped that they would be able to get back next year's test match, which is meant to be happening in about six or seven months' time. Um, and I think for me yesterday, this seems to be a long, long way back for Yorkshire from here. That was kind of my 
main takeaway because there was so well one of the main takeaways because there's so much to process there's so much to be established yet still and there's so much more basically to be to be worked through um and it's going to be a painful process i think for lots of people it's been quite a long road um, to get here, hasn't it? At, at one point in the hearing yesterday, Mr. Rafiq was talking about, I think he was asked, um, do you believe you've lost your uh, cricket career as a result of racism? And he said that he did, but he almost felt that if what he's done here helps other people come forward or helps rid the game or sport more generally of racism, then then that might have been worth it do you think this is an issue that's going to keep rolling for some time so yeah so that was that was a really powerful moment right when he said that um that obviously this a hellish situation that he's been through he is trying to use that um for good um and to make lasting changes um and this isn't going to be kind of an overnight process, I don't think. And I think it's, you know, there's so many different perspectives and so many different angles to it. But when you look at it, it's it's a case of a guy who achieved his dream, not once but twice, of managing to play for, for the county that he loved. And then that going so, so, so sour and ending in such a sad way. And then to add on top of that, then this, what's ended up being a really bitter fight with the club after that, um, where, you know, he's had to fight tooth and nail really um, to get to this point of, of people hearing his side of the story really in full. You said that he's had to fight tooth and nail. Give give us a rundown of what sort of happened to up, up to this point because in the last couple of weeks it's become this huge national story with crossover between, you know, politics and sport and everything like that. But this has been rumbling for a lot longer, hasn't it? So so yeah, it's been rumbling for a while. So basically, um what happened as Imrafiq explained it um a little bit in the hearing yesterday um what happened was uh in summer 2020 um Azim Rafiq gave an interview to Wisden which was meant to be about his new business um but the journalist basically asked about why he was leaving cricket why he'd left cricket and effectively broke down and started explaining some of his experiences and that ultimately led on to to Yorkshire um, under the then chairman, Roger Hutton, um, commissioning this slightly strange investigation process. So they brought in this independent law firm to, to look at um, Mr. Rafiq's allegations, but also um, particularly the central one of whether the club was institutionally racist. Um, but in addition to the law firm, they also set up this independent panel that were going to effectively somehow oversee um, the investigation. And from the sounds of it, from that point on, Roger Hutton basically almost washed his hands of it and said, come back when you've got some findings, which I think in hindsight was seems to have been a mistake. So 
off they went, started doing the investigation. Um, and then um, it appears that halfway through the investigation process, the panel turned around to the law firm and for reasons that Roger Hutton said that he didn't know or understand or couldn't speculate on, um, the panel said to the law firm, you please don't look at the institutional racism allegation, the terms of reference are changing, and we'll look at that element, you just look at the specific allegations. Um, we don't really have a full understanding of of why that happened. But in any case, fast forward to August this year, the report is concluded, it's reported to be a 100-page report. Um, and effectively... Yorkshire said that can't be published because uh, for legal reasons, which you would have thought they might have foreseen being an issue when they set up the investigation. Um, but so instead they published this eight page summary of the report, um, which found that seven of the 43 allegations made by Azim Rafiq about um, how he'd been treated during his time at the club were upheld. He'd been the victim of um, racial harassment and bullying. Um, but there was no determination either way on whether the club was institutionally racist. Um, fast forward again to the last couple of weeks and basically what's kind of kicked off the storm that's almost culminated in yesterday's hearing is that um, George DeBell, a cricket journalist who's been following the story very closely, published an article a few weeks ago um, with some details from the report um, in which basically showing that the panel uh, had accepted one of the players who we now know to be Gary Balance's explanation that him calling Mr. Rafiq the P-word was was banter. Um, and that led to politicians getting involved, like Sajid Javid said head should roll at Yorkshire. That led to sponsors pulling out, and then it became kind of this rolling crisis, which has seen Roger Hutton, the chairman, resign, which has seen the chief executive, Mark Arthur, go. Um, and basically, effectively, the club has just been in a rolling crisis since then. And that was kind of where we were up to coming into this hearing. Um, and so, but before before yesterday, the precise details of who was involved, how they were involved and how this is all interconnected hadn't really been made clear some of that for legal reasons some of that just because it it, it was you know it takes it, as we saw yesterday it takes almost it takes hours to explain what's happened over the course of of those few years um I, so yeah i was interested actually in in kind of obviously you were down in westminster yesterday what your take on on the evidence was and and you know how how this differed from kind of your normal DCMS select committee hearing mm -hmm. that you have a fair a fair few of. Um, like you said, this is a story that has been bubbling for a while. Um, but it feels like in the last week or so, it has really started coming coming to a head. Um, yeah, I imagine that there would be um, a fair few more people watching yesterday's DCMS select committee hearing than you would do on a normal day. Um, it was running live on Sky for a big portion of the morning. Um, and I don't suspect that parliamenttv.com would normally get that many viewers um, for its regular committee hearings. But I think part of the reason, like you said, that this has become so high profile is that 
you know, a sport is something people really, really care about. You know, it's um, something ingrained in people's family history. It's things that they take their kids to and things like that. And then also when something becomes a political story, you've got that extra air of newsworthiness around it. And in the last 10 days, we've had a series of interventions that are quite unusual in um, in a sports story from Westminster. Um, firstly, we had, like you said, Health Secretary Sajid Javid, um, when these allegations first started emerging that the racism had been dismissed as banter, he called for heads to roll, um, obviously a very, very senior politician there. Um, and then a couple of days after that, a whole cohort of Yorkshire politicians, both mayors and MPs from both Labour and the Conservative Party wrote to the ECB, the sports governing body in England and Wales, um, asking them to make sure that action was taken over this and that players and officials who had facilitated or found to have made comments or remarks or done other things that were racist should should face consequences. Um, and then another thing that was quite unusual happened in as much as we uh, got an urgent question on this in the House of Commons. Um, that basically meant that a minister from the Digital Culture, Media and Sport Department had to come to the House of Commons um, to take questions on this from MPs on both sides of the house. Uh, the question was tabled by an MP called Navendu Mishra, who is the Labour MP for Stockport. And the minister, Chris Philp, uh, was the gentleman stood on the other side of the Commons responding for the government. Um, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people that essentially what Mr. Philp came out and said was that if Yorkshire Cricket Club and the ECB, the governing body, didn't get themselves in order over this, then the government wouldn't wouldn't be afraid to intervene. We could potentially have um, some government intervention on this. Um, I was slightly surprised by that, um, not because I think this is an issue that the government doesn't care about, not at all, but sport is so independently governed. You know, we have the ECB, we have all these independent bodies looking looking after sport, that that's quite a big step for the government to threaten to step in and what? take action on that impartiality. And one thing I wasn't quite clear on with that was what could the government actually do? I was like, I, I hear what you're saying, but what actual steps could you take here? I think that is a big question mark that that hangs over this. Um, but it's not the first time this year that we've seen this threat um, in football. I know it's a separate sport, but in football earlier this year in April, when a number of the biggest teams across Europe threatened to come together, um, to draw, to create the European Super League, um, which seems to have all sorts of connotations for competition and for finances and things like that. The government threatened to intervene if if that didn't resolve itself. Now, of course, we didn't actually get to that point. The European Super League disbanded before before anything needed to be done. It was very much a flash in the pan moment. Um, However, I think the threat might make people think more seriously about this report that is about to come out or making sure that people who need to face punishment face punishment. And in the intervening period, like we said, the 10 days, 10 days or so since this all started to um, started to come to a head and became a bit of a Westminster story as well as a sports story, we have seen resignations. We have seen 
an increasing number of uh, sports people, men and women, coming forward with allegations. Um, so I think it might just be a case of it gives the it gives things like this a higher profile, doesn't it? If an yeah. issue is discussed in Westminster, that is um, a massive global platform for this issue to be discussed in and it might just be that some people have been embarrassed into finally taking action despite us knowing that it's been around for a long time yeah i think one, one of my reflections actually was um because lord patel who's the new chairman wasn't actually meant to be giving evidence but he was kind of in the audience and they called him forward um and he seemed to me anyway i was at his press conference last week and obviously watched yesterday he seems to be kind of hopefully what's needed he seems quite a forceful personality which i think is what need what was needed and whereas roger hutton perhaps was it well by his account anyway swimming against the tide in trying to make changes internally and because there wasn't any acceptance there was a problem and it was almost seemingly brushed under the carpet as well it's just one person saying it and you know everyone else is saying something different um that now lord patel can come in with the new broom and a new approach because no one can deny there's a problem now they've literally taken the sponsor's name off headingley stadium um there's not going to be a test well there might not be a test match next year and you know you it's like such a deep crisis that the resistance to change probably isn't going to be there as much, if you know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, so I guess that's a small kind of crumb of hope for, for, for Yorkshire, but just another reflection, if you will, uh, engage, well, what's the word? I don't know what the word is, but if you'll allow me another reflection is, uh, I think one of the things that's so powerful about this story is, I don't think it's not, I think particularly one of the things that came across to me yesterday is this isn't just about cricket. It's about how people conduct themselves in workplaces and how you stand up to to racism, if you stand up to racism. Because I think one of the most powerful things was Azim Rafiq saying that even though he considers Joe Root to be a good friend and a good man, that he probably didn't remember any of these incidents that, that Azim Rafiq thinks about all the time because you just you close your mind and you look the other way sometimes and I think you know probably a lot of us can think you've probably been guilty of that at some stage in your life and I think that's what's for me is so powerful about the whole thing um but yeah so anyway I'll, <laughs> I'll be quiet <laughs> I think there's something to look at as well as to how this damages the reputation of cricket going forward I mean we've mentioned that it's been a bit of a rolling crisis for Yorkshire Cricket Club and people have resigned people have lost their jobs there will be a new guard that comes in at Yorkshire Cricket Club that replaces the old guard as you know as you've mentioned as they try and get their sponsors back as they try and rebuild as they try and get the right to hold test matches back but one thing that really stuck with me that Mr Rafiq was saying was how he thinks it's more pertinent in cricket and sport more generally. Um, I mean, he spoke about in the hearing how his childhood, you know, growing up in Barnsley, it was a dream for him and his family that he would play cricket for England. And that was something that he managed to do by the time he was a teenager. 
But now he's the father of two young kids and he quite explicitly said that he doesn't want either of them going anywhere near cricket. It seems that this could be something that potentially has more long-running ramifications and does more damage into the future, no matter how it is fixed in the coming weeks. I guess it's one of those where it's... The hope is that you shine a light on it. You bring this stuff that's kind of been bubbling away under the surface to light and um, you eventually get to a better place. But yeah, I think it's going to be a painful journey. And I think one thing that I think is going to become clear in the coming weeks and months is that this and it is already starting to become clear that this wasn't just a Yorkshire problem. Yes, there was a particularly bad problem at Yorkshire, but this was a problem across the game potentially is still a problem um and that there's there's going to be a lot more people come forward now i think as a result of of what azim rafiq has said and done and how the game deals with it going forward is going to be a really interesting question i must say i wasn't i don't know what you thought of the ecb people at the end but it was it was, I don't know. I wasn't particularly impressed with with what they were saying. It seemed like they were trying to get each other to answer questions and give statements and present slideshow. Maybe that's a slightly unfair characterization of it, but it didn't feel like a group of people, to me at least, who got it, who got how serious this was. And like, I think the fact that the, right the ECB now have said. Oh, aren't Yorkshire awful? Basically, we're suspending you from having international matches. You need to get your house in order. But when have they done that? They've they've done it after the sponsors have gone. They've done it after the politicians have said their piece, and they've kind of they've stepped in. But they, Azim Rafiq, told them all of this like a year ago. Yorkshire say although the ECB contested, they wanted the ECB to be involved in the investigation. They're the governing body. And like, it appears they basically have sat on their hands until the whole thing's literally exploded. And now they're like, oh, Yorkshire, aren't you awful? It's like, well, hang on a minute. What were you guys doing? I don't know. I think there's there's some pretty serious questions for the ECB to answer uh, in all of this as well. It seems like this is going to be running for a long time to come um but it was really interesting to hear your perspective on this story and i'm sure that we will be coming back to it again and again in the weeks and months to come i suspect we will be i think there's a long way there's a long long way to go with this and i think the ramifications of it are probably going to be felt for like years to come decades to come possibly um so yeah Let's see what happens. Brilliant. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pod's Own Country. If you have any topics you think we should be covering or any stories you think we should be digging into, please get in touch with me um, via email, chris.burn at jpimedia.co.uk. Speak next week.